Hello, and welcome to The War in Our Stars, a Star Wars Expanded Universe uh, podcast. I still haven't nailed that intro yet, but I am joined by uh, Dianoga3, who is Jackson. Hello. I'm here to talk about Star Wars. You're like, hey, Jackson, come talk about Star Wars. We're and you were like, schedule. how high? <laughs> I was like, how high? <laughs> In fact, I wasn't like I was like you know as a Corellian, I don't care about odds. Right, exactly. As that is a culturally established Corellian trait, <laughs> <laughs> and not just a single line that they said about Han Solo. That Han Solo just said, "Never tell me the odds," which is like it's. Do they even say Corellia in the original trilogy? You know, I don't so, remember. So you know how like. Uh, not to get ahead of ourselves, but you know how in Lord of the Rings, the movies, they only had the rights to Lord of the Rings and the appendices. Mm. Michael Stackpole writes, like, there is a universe of Star Wars out there, but he only has the rights to things that have been said out loud in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and, I mean, shit, that could have been, that might have been how, like, the guideline he was given. Apparently so. Anyway, hello. I don't mean to get ahead of our, of our format here, but I'm here to talk about... Uh, x-wing wedges gamble the downside to a three-week podcast is that uh, i do forget the format every time yes but um i do remember some things we have characters to talk about i suppose we do (laughs) um how many of the original rogue squadron from last book can you tell me oh like four like this is bad like so so Mm -hmm, i read mm -hmm. this pretty fast um and everyone kind of bled together. Like, because not only were there these characters, there's also like other characters coming in as well as part of their mission. There's so many characters and none of them are distinct. Um, That's, yes, it's a big problem. Every guy is the same kind of cool guy and every woman is identically like hot. <laughs> Generically so. Um, unless she's a furry. Unless she's a furry. Um, but like, in terms of like traits, only the, the main few really get defined so i kind of let the names just wash over me um so now i so there was um well let's just go how do you want to do this okay so last last time on x-wing three members of rogue squadron died yes uh i'm not gonna ask you which ones died well so one of them was jace Right. Uh, no, that's not correct because Brewer Jace dies in between books. <laughs> yes, but he is not alive at the start of this book. Ergo. Yes. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so four. So we're actually counting four. Okay, four. Yes. Uh, well, then there was. Okay, do I remember? I've read her name. I've read her name today multiple times. But what's yes. her face the, from Kessel, the sister of the other one? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So my my point was, there four characters died. They were Lejane Forge, the one most like an actual Jane, rogue. That's it. That's it. Lejane. Uh, yes. There was Broar Jace. There, and then there were the two others that don't really don't matter. matter. Well, one of them was, one of them is hilariously uh, Buffin, and then the, one of the Buffin characters in this book, or one the Buffin character in this book goes. By the way, uh, I am basically him but gender swapped by which i mean we went to the academy together and i was in got all the same grades so basically you could replace him with him and no one would know the difference and everyone's like okay <laughs> this is a great great way to do character building i guess 
See, the thing about that, the really funny thing about that, is that I thought she said Pash. Not Peshk. Because Pash is... Okay. We get two new additions to Rogue Squadron. Wait, hang on. Was she talking about Pash? Because Pash is... He gets actually introduced in this book and they spend time with him. Uh, Mm -hmm. He is the son of... uh, What's it? Kraken? Pash Kraken. Pash Pash Kraken. (laughs) Star Wars (laughs) names are so stupid. Uh, Yeah, he is the son of um, uh, Kraken, who's like one of the higher up military leaders, um, political leaders, and he like... It's like, ah, oh, I guess my son's off to, like, find himself and, uh, <laughs> you know, be in your squadron. Do, do you think that I did this because of my family ties? And everyone's like, no, we don't. And he's like, you're right, I didn't. <laughs> Pash Kraken is the guy who's so good so that he good. can't do anything except potentially fail. And so by joining Rogue Squadron, he's, like, seen as like among other people at his level so it's okay if he doesn't he isn't absolutely perfect yeah his backstory is uh ludicrous is lud- it's ludicrous uh he's like oh so i i did some like super sick shit at the start of my career and then that like hung over me because i was the cool guy so then everyone had all these expectations of me but then that meant that like they were pushing themselves so if i led them they would all die because they weren't as like cool as me so i couldn't ever be cool because i had to protect my men because that's what being a soldier is like, <laughs> like none of this makes that's not how anything works in war what are you talking about dude um, but that is his motivation in this book and the other one is uh ne- n- uh errol errol nunb who is the sister yes! to nia nunb who died at the battle of exegol <laughs> What is the what is the full what is the full tweet <laughs> from earlier today? Yeah, so Nia Numb uh scrolling through here was killed by hashtag Palpatine's lightning <laughs> while piloting the Tantive Four during the Battle of Exegol. There's a line in this book where someone looks at a massive lightning storm and says, I don't think even Palpatine could control a storm this big. And <laughs> I laughed so hard. <laughs> little little do they know. Um, but yes, those, those are the personnel changes. Uh, should we do a summary? Right, so last time we did the tried and true five Stolen sentence. directly from Just King Things. <laughs> I don't think I'd even listened to that podcast at that point, but... You should, it's good. It's fucking good. I'm here to endorse Just King Things. I have been listening. Yeah. It is good. Um, five sentence summary of X-Wing colon... Uh, Wedge's gamble. Now I want to like congratulate and praise Olivia, um, <laughs> who I always uh, want to do this. I mean, uh, obviously for for general reasons, but who uh, wrote down and clearly decided ahead of time what those five sentences were. Uh, I've not done that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm I'm, uh, I'm going to have to have to freewheel this one. Um, <clears throat> but. Let's do. Let's let me let me let me take a second to collect my thoughts, and then we'll mm-hmm. say, become one with the force. Become one with the force. <clears throat> the Near Republic uh, directs Rogue Squadron to take Coruscant immediately, in order to legitimize their challenge to the Empire. Uh, <laughs> Wedge decides to gamble. 
<laughs> by recruiting like criminals from Kessel and mm-hmm. spawning them in Coruscant like a video <laughs> game in order to decrease the Empire's happiness number, thus setting the stage for an easier invasion. In order to facilitate the attack, the uh, rogue squadron goes undercover in Coruscant uh, to take out the shields and allow the attack uh, to occur. That's three sentences, right? Have I still got two? Mm-hmm. You've um, got two left. They do this. <laughs> um, sentence five. It was all a setup because Iceheart Yazan Isad planned it all, uh, and they are now even further in her trap, her Kratos trap, you might say. Okay, uh, I've never seen somebody just toss a sentence before, but you did it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what happens. <laughs> I don't know what you expect from me. No, nothing more than you've already given. Um, when you say it like that, it just sounds. <laughs> <laughs> Apology accepted. I've, I'm altering the summary. Play out, play to alter it further. Um, so this is an undercover spy mission where everyone is sent down individually to coruscant the planet coruscant the planet coruscant the 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 city-wide planet home to billions which was still true before the prequel this is this is this was always true (laughs) this is true in this book and they each have a different cover story and we spend like six chapters talking about all that and it doesn't matter (laughs) at some point they like that's the structure right they go down they do some stuff something happens that makes them all group up together well, they, they uh, i think all, it's like that... individually keep bumping into each other and spying on each other in the entire city planet of coruscant uh-huh. uh and like so the bulk of the book is this right there's the main there's the there's the three i guess three kind of acts right the first act set up introducing the new characters they all come in and monologue their really stupid backstories <laughs> Um, and then it's primarily about the negotiations at Kessel in which they are going to trade uh, the release of political prisoners for like taking gut so they want to use these criminals who are and we'll get into this in a minute but criminals who are like inherently criminal and destabilizing as beings that's what a criminal is they want to take these super fucked up bad guys and put them on Coruscant in order to cause destabilization and they also want to like free political prisoners from Kessel because those are like they're locked up in prison but they're not the real criminals <laughs> because mm-hmm. the, you know they're they're fine um and so a lot of Bothans on that list a lot of Bothans on that list what's up with that um they kind of talk about briefly, and I'm like, what is up with that? Uh, I don't think Michael Stackpole, you know what's up with that. But they basically, like, they say, they say if, we, if you can give us, like, 150 of our political prisoners, we'll take 20 of your, like, most fucked up guys, and you don't have to deal with them anymore, because we're uh, placing them on Coruscant with a little um, uh, rollercoaster tycoon 2 uh, thing, and setting them down, and letting them cause havoc. 
We're giving them 20 bucks and sending them off to rebuild their criminal enterprise, the uh, the Black Sun. The Black Sun, because it's right, because they're like descendants of Zizor from um, uh, Shadow of the Empire. I've only ever heard him called Shizor. Is it Shizor? It's not Zizor? I think it's Shizor. It's really Shizor. You're I've only ever Shizor. heard Shizor. I've, I've only heard Zizor in my head, because no one's ever I'm... said it out loud to me. I have it in phonetic characters, but I don't know how to read that. Well, I believe you, though. I believe it's Shizor, because I defer to you in these matters. Yeah, it's looking like people are saying Shizor. Okay. Um, but yeah, so that... A little link there. And then the book goes on for a while about how, like... You know what the biggest problem for the New Republic will be in securing a government? It's that, you know what, the, the fascists learned to deal with the criminals. The fascists were good at that. They knew how to keep the criminal element down. But the New Republic is pussy and weak, and we aren't fascists enough to deal with the criminals, and we've got to deal with be, still dealing with the criminals while also maintaining freedom, whatever that is. Um, this book's just pro-Empire. This book is just about how the Empire's good. <laughs> but, Yeah. And then the well, the, the bulk of the book, the second half, uh, the, the the long second act where absolutely nothing happens is everyone <laughs> goes to Coruscant. Uh, they have vague missions. They've all been like split up into cells so that not everyone has all the information because uh, there's a spy in the group and and they're trying. Well, no, they don't even they, they don't even actually know for sure there's a spy in the group. We just know there's a spy in the group. Yeah. Um, and so very conveniently, whenever the one character who isn't obviously uh, a spy in the room, like. The second she's gone, everyone meets up again and they just start sharing all their plans. <laughs> uh, and it's fine because, you know, they're not there, but come on. Now, who who do you think is the spy? Because Olivia shot her shot last time. I mean, the spy is the sp- Isiri. Hmm. Hmm. I, there's not a, it's not a mystery. The spy. <laughs> you can't I'm simply like here to talk about the books on hand. <laughs> oh, who is the spy in this book? Siri is the spy. Is literally the spy. Oh, Arisi, hey, if Arisi, you, Arisi, if you want, if you're reading along with us, don't look at the Wikipedia page for any of the members of Rogue Squadron that aren't Corin or Wedge. Because uh, on Arisi's page, it will say she's a spy. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, and like you know, she's a spy because like Karen's basically like, damn, I want to fuck her, but she's just too messed up. There's just something. There's, There's something, something in my gut that tells he's, me no, run away, crime. He's like, I'm so horny, but something. I I'm, I'm sensing something. My massive cop penis has decided that uh, Arisi is not to be fucked with. The thing Literally. about it is that this is like. So Cornhorn eventually becomes a Jedi. Yes. But this isn't written to be that yet. No, he's like, he doesn't have the force. He has, like, cop's he, intuition. Right. He just has this cop intuition that, I guess, gets retconned into being the force later. <laughs> that's, but... like, almost genius. Like, oh, if, if you're, like, cop-brained enough, that's the force. That's like something I do. If you're cop-brained enough, you can't lift things with your mind, but you can like fabricate evidence with your mind. <laughs> right, exactly. It's a different skill tree. <laughs> um anyway. Anyway, then so that's there's that, an yeah. There's an action scene that ends up linking like three different POVs by accident. Yes. Um it's like 
Oh, I ran into you, and also that built that window that you made a thing crash into. I was in there uh, last night. Uh, hey, <laughs> we were all within a block of each other, actually. <laughs> Citywide planet. <laughs> <laughs> and then um, they come up with their plan to take down the shields, uh, and they get betrayed, and a bunch of stormtroopers show up, uh, so they know for sure there's definitely a spy. And then they come up with another last-minute plan, and it manages to go off as they wanted it to. Unfortunately, what they don't know is that uh, Derricote, the doctor who was like mentioned passing in the previous book, has been creating megaviruses that only affect aliens, and they turn you into the guy, the senator from the X-Men movie. <laughs> <laughs> only if you've got enough water in you though otherwise you just kind of like harden right they have a whole like section about the difference of like how it works but yes they have this water-based virus uh Kratos. <laughs> wonder what will how, how that'll feature in future books the goal is that zard wants to let the republic take coruscant only to find that its alien population is sick with a horrific plague that can be treated by Bacta, but will be a drain on their supplies and their morale and um, and their, their money, and sort of bleed them out that way. Well, she still has like a good amount of like her her fleet, so that she can crush them later or let them skirmish with Warlord Zinj, who is a I guess I think former either a space pirate or like a former imperial guy i can't remember now he's he's fashioned himself a warlord and so we've been foreshadowing his his role in the x-wing saga but um (laughs) the plan is like honestly fine as like a military kind of like plot goes but it is hilariously telegraphed (laughs) and that she basically says well, uh, I'll first activate the Kratos trap and then proceed on to the back to war. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, the whole thing is spelled out right in front of you and you're like, yep, I guess all of this is going to happen exactly as foreseen. Um, because, yeah. And I was wondering throughout this book, I was like, well, I mean, how are they going to get an ending to this book? Because, like, are they just going to completely lose and get owned by the Imperials and not realize that they've been set up? And yes, the answer is yes. They, they do, yes. <laughs> yeah. Not only that, but they think that Corrin is dead. Uh, unfortunately, he is not. <laughs> unfortunately, he's been captured and taken to Lusankia, yes. which is uh, Isard's secret prison where they do fucked up shit to you and they turn you into an agent of the Empire, whether you want to be or not. It's probably really hot, honestly. <laughs> Stackpole, get out of here! <laughs> <clears throat> he wakes up there and he's immediately naked. Nassad's there, like I'm here to test you. You will be mine. And I'm like Stackpole, Michael. <laughs> I mean, Corin's cover we, identity. Should we in go? This should book. we say the thing that we've been talking? I just actually just okay. So they do that plan. Uh, they do the plan in the in the Corazon. They take the shields down, um, and then they the battle rages and they have an they attack Corazon. But the entire narrative of like the final chapters is, in, is focused. On and, like preventing as many imperial casualties as possible in Coruscant, in the imperial center. It's like it, 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 ludicrous. This is you shouldn't like these people, but I guess 
And it's not even framed as like, oh, they're, they're mostly old Republicans because it's only been 20 years and we're liberating them. No, it's like, no, we must protect the Imperials. <laughs> There's the guy who's related to Ad- uh, Admiral Nita? Is that his? Yes. The guy from Empire who gets killed by Vader after Hoth. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's his cousin, and he's on one of these stations that just controls the big mirrors that control the day-night cycle on Coruscant. Or whatever. No, it's... I guess they... What are they supposed to do? They're supposed to melt the polar ice? Yes, it's because their plan is all about getting as much uh, uh, moisture as possible into the air to make the storms It's not a mirror for sunlight. It's just to beam uh, a sun laser at the polar ice cap and melt it. Anyway. Yes. um, And it's... There's like three, like, scenes from his POV as he's watching the battle uh, start up. Uh, in orbit and it's the it's the funniest thing because he's so self-obsessed that he's like ah oh uh, our systems are moving on their own they must be they must have need of our service yeah (laughs) we're beaming a a laser straight into the city wow well it must be a top secret organization and our loyalty is being rewarded it's very silly. And then, like, the whole thing, right, is that, like, they managed to, like... There was a short space battle, but then they, they took they took Coruscant bloodlessly. They didn't kill any of the Imperials, which is not necessarily the point of pride that you think it is when you are a rebel insurgency attempting to set up a new... Go- like, there's an entire line about how, like, the people of Coruscant thought they were going to ransack the place. and steal- Like, it literally basically says they're going to steal our wealth. And, like, you know, we will not kick out... it you know my uh my dad used to own a fucking slave farm in cuba and then he got kicked out after his monopoly was broken right but we won't do that to the corazon and i was like bro you can't put that all in the book corin literally is like i could disable this pleasure yacht so that it can't leave orbit but you know i won't i won't i won't because i'm a nice guy and then as the battle's wrapping up he's like uh, my ship has been overridden. Mayday, mayday, I'm dead. <laughs> As he crashes into a thing, and then they're like, damn, not Corrin Horn. And Tycho's like, he's clearly alive. <laughs> and then, yeah. Like, Wedge is so affected by this death that he takes off his gas mask in the middle of the room that was, like, gassed to protect the computers during a lockdown. He, like, takes it off and sl- just slams it into the corner. He's so upset. Yep. Corrin Horn. He was a good man. God damn that Corrin Horn. He's back. And yes, and then that's when the scene with uh, he wakes up naked to being tortured by Isard in a weird humiliation kink thing. But yes, anyway, speaking of humiliation kinks, let's do it. Let's get into the scene that matters <laughs> for this book. But let's talk about uh, Corrin and Arisi's cover identity. Let's see, where is it here? It's talks about how horny Eris's and stuff like outfit is. Anyone with the intelligence to outwit a Kowakian monkey lizard could imagine what Eris looked like naked. Um... <laughs> the idea that And my... then there's a paragraph about how she keeps berating him mercilessly on those occasions she chose to acknowledge his presence consciously. Most of the time, he trailed respectfully after her, paying for things she bought, carrying things she wanted carried, picking up after her, and apologizing graciously in her wake. 
while her conduct was far from graceless, she appeared to draw strength from the cruelties she inflicted upon him. This, theirs appeared to be a symbiotic relationship, where Corrin endured abuse in return for sexual favors. Even in the final analysis, despite her beauty, no one thought it was an even bargain. <laughs> Bro! And then you get the explanation of what his outfit is for. Yep. And it's for the Telbun. Um... Uh, drawn from the middle classes on Kuwait, they were raised and trained by their families to excel in academic, social manners, and athletics. When they reached the appropriate age, they underwent a battery of tests that produced a ranking by combining scores for intelligence, grace, health, and genetic makeup. The upper classes of the great Kuwait merchant houses then purchased them from their families for the purpose of parenting a child with a member of the merchant family, then raising that child. Um, okay. So... Michael, <laughs> you have written, like, this is a porn comic. You've written the plot of, like, a weird <laughs> porn doujin that, like, yes. oh, I never knew my, like, uh, breeding slave master would be this hot, is, like, what you've written. This is this is literally <laughs> what you've written. Uh, as, like, a brief aside cover story, and I'm like, I mean, they could have any cover story. There's no, this is <clears throat> unforced error. You've just written this and everyone's like sir this is a wendy's right like <laughs> you're at work <laughs> you're at work <laughs> like i just didn't expect these books to be so horny there's a bit where she's like you will you know that she says something about the in character in the cover uh, that's like deeply horny and was like this was actually a secret message that they were just friends and they were they have just... a safe word yeah they have a safe word <laughs> the, the more you look at it the more it just becomes so apparent it's like there's this and then there's curtain lore's whole deal with iceheart uh it's just a lot uh. Yep. I mean, the, yeah, the Cuddle of Things fucking stupid because <laughs> she is just like annoyed with him and he's the one who reads it as a humiliation kink. Because <laughs> she's like, I hate dealing with you so much. You suck so bad. Why do I have to put up with you? Uh, and, and then he's like, Yes, mistress. Yes, mistress. Whatever you say. But then, as we discovered uh, in the comics, right, it's parallel with this, um, there is that other character that I forgot her name. Oh, I don't even remember. I don't know where she's from. Uh, uh, she's from God. the comics. You posted about it just the other day. I did. What was the name I said? I'm just Googling youngest moth. Leonia Tavera. Leonia Tavera, who is also from... Like, she is from the uh, X-Wing comics, co-written by Michael Stackpole. So I think we can lay this one at his feet again. So while they're dealing with Iceheart, while all this other shit is happening... Uh, they're also fighting um, uh, her, who is like a 16-year-old who seduced and assassinated the wife of, and then a moth himself. Like, she seduces the moth, assassinates the wife, and then assassinates the moth and then takes his title. Uh, and yes. becomes the youngest moth ever. Like as a t- like as a sixteen year old, I assume she's like seventeen, eighteen by the time the uh, X Men crew meet him. Um, because the- the- this happens before Endor, so um, but she's still like mm-hmm. a teenager in the books, and she's like 
it's it's bad. It's it's bad. The art is very embarrassing. Um, not for the least of which, but like the <laughs> Michael Stipe has tried to like uh, fusion dance two genres of horny together, <laughs> and it hasn't worked. Like he's tried to make her both the like um, you know uh, young bratty type, right? Because mm-hmm. and that's like uncomfortable. But she's also like got a riding crop and is like the stern imperial seductress and i'm like which is it <laughs> which is it michael <laughs> and it's it's bad because it's like you know the the character that character is just i really want to like i keep clicking on the teen tab on pornhub it's like all it is it's, it's- <laughs> <laughs> well we have to we have i've 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 on her page on wikipedia and we get to look forward to seeing her again Oh, um, does she show up in the not- books? Oh, right! I remember what book she shows up in. It's very funny, because I looked at this page yesterday. Yes, she's... <laughs> so, after Rogue Squadron, uh, we're going to read a trilogy. Uh, this is the plan currently. We're going to read the Jedi Academy trilogy. Wait, you're skipping Thrawn? Is Thrawn next? Thrawn's first. Okay, well... Then this isn't that important. But there's the Jedi Academy trilogy... Which is some some of the only expanded universe books that I read as a kid, other than that weren't um, New Jedi Order or Clone Wars stuff. Yep. Um, and then there's another book called I Jedi that retcons Corrin Horn into being in that trilogy. <laughs> can't wait! I can't wait. It's gonna be great. Um, anyway, uh, she. Apparently, she appears in I, Jedi, so we have that to look forward to. We have that to look forward to! <laughs> My god! They also, um, on every page uh, here, they do list... Let's see, what's her number? Rogue 8, Lieutenant Erisi Delaret, human female from Thyfera, quote, the Bacta Queen, on every list in every summary of the X-Wing series. The you gotta remember that she's the Bacta Queen. I wonder if her obviously being the spy will have some kind of uh, <laughs> comeuppance in the Bacta War. When, oh, our connection to the Bacta has been betrayed because she's obviously the spy and is working for the Empire. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see, I guess. Maybe I'm wrong. If it turns out that it's fucking Pash. <laughs> Pash Kraken? Pash Kraken is the spy. <laughs> I mean, last time the spy ended up kind of being M-Tray, so... This continuing situation where, like, there is a spy, and we know there is a spy, but the actual situation that they solve is another spy. (laughs) Because in this book, it's uh, Thine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, there's, there's... Two, potentially three spies, actually. Yes. So there's there's Mystery Spy, who hasn't been revealed by the books yet. There's uh, Tycho Selchu, who has been implicated as the spy in the most Obviously obvious not a spy. way. Um, and then there's Thine, who is the uh, alien joker? He is a... I would describe him as, like, a low-level Joker. He's not Joker enough to really... And when we say... Who's that guy... the Joker. Who's the tutorial mission in Arkham Asylum? Who's the tutorial mission? Zaz. 
Yeah, he's that guy. He's like Zaz. He's basically he's not anything like Zaz because um, <laughs> Zaz is like weird in a whole different stupid way. Um, but he is just like he's the criminal, right? He's the lens through which the books talks about how criminal reform is impossible because its conception of criminality isn't like a social definition created by the state. It is an inherent biological trait. Uh, <laughs> And the moral of like, so they get find out and they're like, do we want to trust him? Um, because you know he's fu- well, he's fu- he's the fucking Joker. Can we can we release him? Shouldn't we? It's okay. We have this former admiral of the empire to keep him in line. So he immediately betrays them, obviously, when he gets to Corazon. <laughs> like literally sells them out within seconds. Yeah. Uh, that would be Fleury Voru, human male from Corellia. I feel like Fleury Voru. <laughs> Um, and also, Zekathine has a lover. Yes. In, whose name is Iniri Forge. Iniri Forge. See, this is the problem with remembering any of the names in this book, is they're all stupid. Like, they're all peak <laughs> Star Wars nonsense names. Um, Except for Winter. Winter. Um, that's just a Ruby character. <laughs> that's just a Ruby character, yes. <laughs> but her thing is that she is the sister of uh, the uh, Kessel character that does died last time because every time there's like a vague connection between places they're also related uh in star wars fashion Mm -hmm. um and she is like going out with thine even though they're like but he's he's the criminal element you don't want to fuck that um she's like actually i do want to fuck that and you can't stop me you can't stop me mom and then disappears from the book entirely until the section in which thine is killed um he, and yeah basically she, over she, his dead body like over his dead notice like corin shoots him in the head like and, no no she shoots him she shoots him in the head yes um, to save them but she she shoots him after corin says like i win bitch <laughs> like because he's like taunting him about the spy and corin's like you've just saved my life and then she, he immediately falls dead, and she, she, like she's helping them, and decides betrayed him, and kills the kills Thang, Thine, um, and like over his dead body, right? In a, what is a very traumatic moment, like even if it's like someone uh, who's been who's like abusive and evil, it's still traumatic. It's still a hard thing to go through, but he's immediately very calmly like, "You're right. Thank you for wisely telling me that I should have killed this criminal." <laughs> <laughs> all along actually you saved my life 20 minutes ago and he didn't even show up because he knew that uh we were betrayed and he didn't even try to save me and you show me that he didn't actually care about me he only cared about how useful i was which is a euphemism for sex i think i think i think that's a euphemism for sex because everyone if it wasn't if it wasn't literally like super spies and mafia then it would just be like a sex thing everyone in this book is horny like to the level of 120 percent at all times like let's uh, talk about gavin let's talk about gavin okay (laughs) so my boy gavin darklighter has the least to do on this entire mission but he is (laughs) he is there so like while corin's Corin also has the least to do, but like gets involved in like imperial spy plots. Gavin just kind of hangs around on Corsa <laughs> with a buffin. They like, literally all end up in a bar together because <laughs> yeah. they don't have anything to do because they're all the side characters. Because 
who arranged this military like invasion and secret mission in an occupied planet? What's go? What's even happening here? Uh, so so Gavin's hanging out with a button. What is her name? Well, no, he's hanging out with the squad, and then Asir Salar yes uh, comes up and offers like, "Hey, do you want to dance?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "No, uh, thanks. I'm, I'm uh, no, thank you." Um, and then she she walks away, and then the guy behind him in the next booth, who's a Godel. Uh, which is a type of alien in Star Wars who can sense emotions, I think based on pheromones or something. He is like, actually, he was lying. Uh, He's a bigot because he was relieved when you walked away. First of all, he was was nervous because, number one, he's a fucking turbo version. Number two... (laughs) Because this is Michael Stackwell's only way to view, like, a young character is through the lens of how, like, deeply virgin they are. And there's also that he's an undercover spy on (laughs) a mission. On a mission. Well, I guess let's say adjacent to a mission that is happening concurrently. (laughs) (laughs) I would not describe what he is doing as on a mission. (laughs) He he does a thing off camera. I think he looks at he he was working with the Bothan, which is the funny thing. He is not mission the Bothan, coded. It's just a Vanin. It's mission coded. <laughs> His activities were mission coded. <laughs> yes. Um. He did something about weapons, I think, with the Shistavanin. Uh. What's his name? Shiel. Yes. Anyway, he basically like he did his mission, and they're like having a drink. Uh. Anyway, there's the alien combine. <laughs> Is that it? <laughs> well, the th- this scene is really weird because the scene goes on and they start accusing uh, uh, Gavin of being uh, a racist, a-, a species racist here. Uh, in the middle of Coruscant, the Imperial Center for the Species Racist Empire. Like, mm-hmm. and then they start talking about like the Death Star in ways that I'm like, hang on, this scene's- they're still on Coruscant, right? I didn't miss them leaving. What's happening here? So... The Alien Combine was a Coruscanti all-alien anti-human group, later compared to Nola Tarkana's Diversity Alliance. Oh, no! No! I know enough of those words. This is where the real, like, the, the this book is terrible, and I hate it, but the genesis of, like, all the worst ideas that will poison the EU are here. They're in this scene. They're in this fucking scene in the bar. Here they are. What book is... Oh, Young Jedi Knights. Okay. The diverse. This is from the, the YA series about Jason and Jaina. Yes, they put the... They put the, the Diversity Alliance. They put the Diversity Alliance, the scary anti-human squad of people who are like, please stop being racist to us, in the, the YA books. Anyway, the Alien Combine, which uh, I can't stop laughing when I say out loud... Um, they basically, they take Rogue Squadron and they are going to kill Gavin as a message to the Empire. I guess. Um. A message to the, yeah. Because he's, uh, he's a human and he's a young, good-looking man. 
and they're gonna take and so they're gonna take him and they're gonna uh like you know mess him up because he must be pro imperial which is like i guess this is the only time in the in the story that like being on car like using imperial identities for cover like ends up mattering um yeah because there's other there's also where like wedge will start being his like fake officer that he's uh impersonating so we need to back up one second but right before she comes over to ask him to dance they actually like get stopped there's like some stormtroopers that come into the bar and they ask for everyone's ids and they ask gavin if he wants to like get out of here because you know he's surrounded by aliens and he's like no no it's it's actually fine um and so this comes into play in this next scene when they're walking him at gunpoint blaster point sorry when stackpole remembers suddenly that noara ven number one exists number two is in this book number three used to be a lawyer and so noara ven apropos of nothing just lays out this sincere heartfelt like defense of gavin explaining all the evidence that they have is bad about him being a bigot and actually when you look at the facts he must be he must just be horny for you is what happened uh well she was right about (laughs) your honor your honor your honor i must i must objection my client is a virgin (laughs) (laughs) not a bigot just a virgin your honor my client is such a fucking virgin please look at this guy (laughs) Basically, how he writes Gavin. (laughs) It's just like... It comes out of nowhere, and then Noara goes back to not being in the book after this. (laughs) Yes! Um, Actually, is he one of the ones that gets sick? Because of the plague? I don't know. I mean, all of the non-humans get sick. Yeah. Um, The point is that after... At this point... Like, it's been cutting... Like, we had some scenes with Corrin doing an action scene, and he accidentally, like, busts into this action scene. Um, It all just blows up. Um, Afterward, Asir does join their sort of squad and flies with them and everything. And Corrin has... uh, Or rather, Gavin approaches Corrin. It's like, hey, uh... What sex? (laughs) Can you can you can you have sex with aliens? To which Curran's response is like unhinged to the nth degree. It is amazing what this man says. Cause so so basically Gavin comes in and is like, I've got a crush on the buffin. Is, is that okay? And um immediately Corrin's first thing is, Are you gonna have kids? <laughs> because biologically Do you wanna have kids? Biologically that's pretty difficult with aliens. And I'm like he wants to. He's he's a teenager. This this boy is a teenager, and he's got a crush on a girl. Oh my god, Corin, you have to stop. Which then like boils into first of all a massive list of the like the dangers of intermingling the races. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Which is fucked up. But then because like <laughs> he's still Corin Horn and. Michael Stackpole is, like, deeply terrified and insecure as an author at all times, so he can't have, like, 
Curran Horn not be the coolest big dick person in the room at any given time unless Wedge is there. <laughs> and so he has and to then end... they have a they have a respect for each other. And they have a respect for each other. And so they have to end it with a story about how like the, well also Corrin could like fuck all the aliens if he wants it. And here's his like well, alien. What fucking happens story. is that the two most important women in Corrin's life right now come over and basically frame him to tell the story of the time that he fucked an otter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a Salonian, which is the aliens that look like otters. Um, and everyone has a big laugh, and Cord is like anxious, oh, is, is Mirax not going to like me if I if she knows that otter? I dick down with aliens? Um, I want to point out something real quick. You might not have known the math on this. This book takes place in 6 ABY. Gavin was born in 10 BBY. He's literally 16. Uh, I forgot that he was like 16. He is 16. He is just, he is like, I, I guess the age to be like, you know, sexually curious about another person, right? As like a teen. Mm-hmm. But they're not writing it in that way. They're not, it's not being explored no. with the delicacy of like, this is a teenager understanding what sexual feelings are and d- dealing with his emotions. Instead, it's like, this fucking virgin's a pussy. <laughs> and yeah, we have to deal with this. He's 16 and they write him like he's like 21. But they also write everyone else like they're like about to call up like some aliens for him to fuck. <laughs> it's really surreal. Uh, uh, what are the other, like what's Corin here? What what is how old is Corin? Corin Horn. He's got such a such a storied past. So he's eight years older than that, so 24. Uh, he's written like a 30-year-old. <laughs> but not really. But anyway. It's just... Corin just gives him all of the bigot, like, talking points. Yep. And then at the end is like... But if you, you know, if you really like the person, you can work through any problem. I can't believe the first thing he says is, "Are you gonna have kids?" Sixteen-year-old, oh, I am a kid. Sixteen-year-old <laughs> boy comes up to you and asks you, "Hey, what sex?" And you turn around and say, "Man, the biological compatibility of your species is very important for the child-making process." Well, that the the reason the reason we get for why he says that is yeah, like I had a great time with that girl. It was it was great. We liked each other a lot. I'm allergic to her fur, so my dick got all chafed. <laughs> like, uh, it's a lot. <laughs> um, do you want to talk about the um, the empires? Jedi museum exhibit or the oh, museum exhibit? Yes, yes. They so um, Wedge goes to the uh, the museum of just one of the Empire's museums, I guess, uh, on Coruscant about the history of the Empire, and it has like Imperial propaganda. Where Wedge is like, damn, this propaganda has some good points <laughs> because this book is pro-fascism. I cannot stress this enough. This this book is fascist. It's a fascist Star Wars book. Uh, as we're just being like, damn, 
there's a lot there's a lot going on here and they they they've really like i guess it's bullshit and all but i see it i see how easy it is to believe in the running the trains on time (laughs) (laughs) all the people the people here only care about the trains and like it's easy to see why they would deceive themselves yeah it's um it's not a it's great a section. It's it's a lot. And then it like starts talking about the history of the Jedi Order in ways that are ridiculous. Because first of all, it says that there's a Sith, like, ancient Sith exhibits. It's just uh, like, uh, it's a, it's a, uh, the Galactic Museum Sith Artifact Room. <laughs> now, Palpatine was a Sith. Darth Vader was a Sith. Um, I assume in the EU there are other, like, Sith hanging around. But they were not loud about it. Like, we remember the scene in Star Wars, right? Where they, like, complain about Vader being, like, a weird sorcerer guy because he sucks and is annoying, and none of the Imperials (laughs) like this, like, weird religious dude that keeps hanging around them using, like, choking them occasionally. The Empire is not pro-Sith. Like, it is, I guess, like, the arm of a Sith leadership, but culturally speaking, it's not going to have, like, and here's how cool the Sith are in a museum. Also, everybody, I forgot that Sith spawn was a was a swear that people say. I mean, everyone in this book is calling the Imperials imps, which is ludicrous. You can't do that. Imps already a word. <laughs> <laughs> it's a word. It means something. It makes you think all the Imperials are running around going. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're also vaping eyeballs. They're also vaping eyeballs. It's true. <laughs> Don't fake my eyeball, bro. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, yeah. It's specifically the history of the Jedi Knights was pre- was presented in a linear fashion from right to left. The thousand generation saga had been condensed such that it gave emphasis to the legendary masters of old, then suggested a gradual deviation from that noble tradition as the knighthood grew. The corruption had begun, wedge in- gathered by implication. When human Jedi masters had taken on a non-human disciples, Ooh. and then they became the—they went from being the guardians of the old republic to the secret masters of its future. Yep. Which, like, kinda, but not like that. Not like I guess. Not, I mean, like this is pre-prequels, um, right? So that all, I guess, is allowed. Uh, the actual thing that all this does to me that is weird is that um, Iceheart's not the Emperor, right? And She's the Emperor in all but name, says the back says of the, the back book. cover. Because the book knows that, you know, three years after this, the Thrawn trilogy's happening and is written as if nothing really happened <laughs> in these five years. <laughs> um, like, you know... Uh, that that book begins, and I, I will. There, there's some, there's some weird like Thrawn trilogy future like cards being laid in this book, which you don't know about that are really dumb in hindsight. So enjoy those. <laughs> oh, I'm excited about that. Um, yeah, but like that book uh, implies that like Thrawn is trying to unite a divided and useless like imperial remnants right that's what mm-hmm. thorn is doing in that book but this book while it has to line up with that portrays the imperials as like coordinated around uh, uh you know um isard uh the um 
the, the imperial sensor is like functioning and so like a you know really uh but i was gonna say like by the imperial standard but no, literally by the rebels own standards they're like damn this is a well-run planet even though it's kind of fucked up and fascist but damn look <laughs> at the achievements here right is is how the so why is there not a new empire and a new emperor like the first thing you do if you are an empire and there is a a southern vacancy on the throne is in order to ensure there is no succession crisis you claim a new empire new emperor like morning of preferably before people get word the first one's died like your new emperor <laughs> your new emperor <laughs> but we can't do that no because so the the imperial like machine like moving on without even a figurehead emperor is so strange because they've they've like they've got things about how like the empire is narrativizing uh the full full of the death star and like the way the rebel alliance attacked the death star and like oh the death star was like a benign space station and was blown up by the evil rebels and blah 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 and palpatine died to save everyone to save everyone and uh yeah and we're just like that's actually a win because it means they're admitting he's dead and therefore they know the rebels can hurt hurt, hurt them right like he's like the people care the people will see through that <laughs> they'll know we're the cool guys um it's very strange yeah um but she can't become empress because shrug i guess uh, the system is okay with her being in control but wouldn't be okay with her outright saying that she was the emperor? But she's like a military leader, right? Um, so it's really weird. Like, the emperor was the emperor. And before, like, he had the Senate and he dissolved it in Star Wars. Like, like four years ago at this point. I guess six years ago, literally. Six years ago. It's literally six years ago. So there are probably senators hanging around. Like, all of those people would have immediately risen up and been like hey because not all of them would have joined the alliance right like there are ways of resisting the there are tons of imperials who definitely the second there's a power vacuum would like to take control in just normal shitty ways not even like warring generals ways and this this situation is like ludicrous in the face of that doesn't even begin to acknowledge that the thing about that is that as we have seen in these two books now is that politicians don't do things oh that's true like, Leia does things, but that's because sometimes Leia, like, ties her hair up and grabs a gun, right? So, Phalia? Borsk Phalia? 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 Borsk. Borsk Phalia. Because if that's pronounced failure, that's fucked up. <laughs> If it's well, it's either failure or fay liar. It's so fa- it's fay liar. Which come on, come on, uh, is a character that has been invented purely to be like I am the politician in the New Republic, right? And it doesn't the book like Star Wars in in the EU because um, fay liar is a character like in the Throne trilogy, um, mm-hmm. and the way he's used there is similar to here. Um, in ways that are really funny, of like, oh, he's been doing this shit for years, <laughs> literally for years the whole time. Uh, but, like, he's a politician. He has wants. He has goals. Those goals might be, like, serve donors, right? Like, in the real world. Uh, 
or like just preserve the status quo but there is a reason for the corruption and the like shitty feckless behavior of politicians and it serves class interests and obviously star wars doesn't understand class even slightly but it keeps the idea of like the politicians whoever they may be are like the feckless cowards and trying to fuck up our like pure military is basically the the lens that x-wing takes on politicians and also being too much of like up like an admiral or a up high ranking up in the chain is like being a politician you get you you forget you forget what it's like to be boots on the ground mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah so it's, unless you're wedge or akbar who are cool because they're for the movies right exactly uh, the other the other guy that was like wedges like who's played played opposite wedge in the first book just isn't in this book right like there was the other military guy he's just not around the guy who was like having the arguments with wedge in the first book where he will just say something like a fairly reasonable complaint but the book frames it as like an attack on wedge's very existence because he's a stick in the mud suit trying right, to but yeah. But we never actually, like, that doesn't ever actually... Resolve. Like, well, no, it does resolve is the problem. It's like, it doesn't actually complicate anything. Right. Because they just have a talk before the big mission. And they're like, okay, we got to set all this aside for the sake of the mission. I, I, we will have a manly handshake. Fae literally comes in in this book and does that with Akbar, And then neither of them are in the book again. <laughs> it's like, great, well, that was, that was a waste of time. But the, the, the thing about that that's interesting to me, right, is that that's obviously the view that this book takes, and that's a lot of fiction's uh, view of this. But it, it's also the view that it takes about the Empire. Its betrayal of the Empire and the Rebel Lights are basically not different at all. And you can see this in how it frames the like criminals, because the difference between... Like, the, you know, the, the X-Wing Squad are at war with the Empire, and that's because the Alliance and the Empire are, like, warring... Not states at this point, right? Because the, the alliance mm. has to set up on Coruscant. But functionally, that is like they are soldiers, and thus soldiers get respect. You you respect the enemy soldier. You are both fighting for ideals in some way, um, even though you know evil fascists on one side. Star Wars is not subtle about this. You can't mm, you can't mm. do the like we're both at the whims of states thing in in these kind of books. Uh, but then it brings the criminal characters in and. Both sides despise them, and both acknowledge the the criminal characters will destabilize your like nation immediately because they are criminal, and that is what they do. I did not expect. I, I like. I thought that these books would be a little bit maybe trashy is a word, right? Maybe a little bit thin uh in terms of content i thought they would just be some like macho dudes flying some cool cars and like getting in gunfights i didn't really expect all of the ideology (laughs) well because this book like the reason right the space battle goes so well is because an imperial captain defected and immediately was like, oh, we're naming this this Imperial ship. Uh, was, you know, renaming it. It's the Corsica Rainbow now. It's the Freedom Ship. And we love freedom. Uh, and the entire Rebel Alliance, like, good. You're on our side now. And it's not, like, portrayed. People aren't having, like, that much qualms about it. It's not like, like a... Yeah. We get her POV. And it was, I think she's basically is like, oh, I defected because they let me. And that, te- that tells me what their character is. Right. 
and there's no like consternation because the book's not really focused on this on like we can't let fascists just walk in what a, what it what does it mean like we're trying to make a new state right how can we just like let people defect and it it's never even framed as like an interesting question of like well we have to use the enemy's power against itself of course we want to welcome defectors because then defectors mean their strength is lower and our strength is higher that that conversation isn't even had instead it's imperials can defect but the criminal characters we see like the I, the very concept of trusting them that they have a possibility for redemption in the eyes of like what it means to be a good person is like naivety to the point of like cruelty you are stupid if you think a criminal cannot be a criminal but you should always accept the like surrender of your uh, respected enemy soldiers and there's like you know the, the mr forge the dad is supposedly rehabilitating people right like as his thing on castle even he is like no that guy no <laughs> no 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 and not he, that guy <laughs> and what he says right is he's really rehabilitating people but then he won't leave because like i can only the you know i've built this society to be like a stable way for that to indulge they're like criminal natures and to get them towards something productive of making spice um and not you know that illegal drug that illegal drug because star wars is fucked up <laughs> the it's... government sanctioned illegal drug operation it's, it's i so guess maybe kessel is an independent like just a prison and the Empire can send people there. The Rebels can send people there. The Huts can send people there. Maybe well, that's the deal. When they talk about Kessel in this book, right, they say that, like, oh, Kessel, it's like Moss I- It's like an even more wretched sky- hive of scum and villainy than Moss Eisley. <laughs> uh, which, to be fair, they do at least say it to Gavin, who is from Tatooine, so there's, like, more right. context to why they would suddenly bring that line in than every other time something from the movie is suddenly has, like, galactic importance for no reason. If the force is with us, it must be the dark side. Uh, I'm from Corellia, so I don't care about the odds. Uh, You're from Corellia, so you don't care about the odds. God. But like, there's there's one more that I'm anticipating because I've I've read the quote. What's the quote? Um, it. I don't know who says it, but I know this is a line somewhere in the expanded universe. It is, as a famous admiral once said, a trap. It's got to be next time in the Krytos. It's got to be in the Krytos trap. Right? It's got to be in the Krytos trap because that is that is, as a famous admiral once said, a trap. Um, do you think? Do you think Akbar says that? <laughs> no, no, I don't think it's an Akbar thing. That'd be himself. so fucking funny. <laughs> that would maybe make it good. <laughs> uh, but like. When the rebels approach Castle, right, they say we need to deal with this place. And Corrin, Corrin being cop, King Cop, is like, we need to deal with this place by throwing all the <laughs> all the criminals into space, and then they won't be a problem anymore. <laughs> Just like the prison from Mass Effect Two. Just like the prison from Mass Effect Two. Hmm. This is an extremely Mass Effect book in terms of its like worldview. Oh yeah. Uh, I I would not be surprised if. Um... There's a, like a common thread there. Uh, and Michael Stackwell has not been involved in any Mass Effect stuff, but as far as I know. But yes. I no, know. but Star Wars fans have. Star Wars fans definitely have. Not the good ones. <laughs> what? Us? 
Oh, uh, I'm want, not. Uh, I know. I know you don't want to read ahead. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> would you like uh, three lines about the New Republic era uh, from Kessel? Sure. Yeah. Under the New Republic, Kessel had no slaves. A legitimate <laughs> spice mining business was run by Nia Nub, who Nia Numb, who what? was installed by, as administrator around 13 ABY by Lando Calrissian. <laughs> oh, does Lando run? Because I know Lando does mining stuff. Uh, I guess he buys the slave mining asteroids, and then the Republic declares they're employees now. <laughs> they're, gig, they're like gig workers. They're contractors. Star Wars' refusal at any point to understand materialism is so fucking funny. <sighs> anyway, you got that to look forward to at some point. Great. <laughs> I I already know that, like, like just to poke ahead a little bit into a book that you're going to be reading eventually. Yes. Um, I did start reading Vector Prime, like, a year ago. Um, and one of the early parts of that is, like, Oh, Lando's got a new mining asteroid. We're going to go look at it. Oh, what if it's Kessel? I don't remember if it's Kessel, but it could be. Could be. Um, Wait. Here's a line on Kessel's Wikipedia page. The planet was close to Little Kessel. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Little Kessel was a planet located in the Kessel sector. Are you... The planet Kessel... Well, I guess it's kind of it's it's a planet, but it's like a ma- asteroid. So the the, the, the this pe- this way lies only madness. Kessel is in the Kessel sector, uh, in uh-huh. the Kessel system, uh, and is called Kessel, and then uh, is close to the planet Little Kessel. They they are calling Kessel a planet, even though it looks like an asteroid. It is technically a planet, so it must be the orbiting body. Uh, the moon, the the forest moon of Endor in the Endor system. Kessel does have a moon, but it's called the Garrison Moon. <sighs> well, in the interest of not veering too far into the future, yes, um, we have to stop. We have to stop just clicking have, on Wikipedia this page. Just, this has been. This a- is what happens when you and I talk about Star so, Wars. So I, I felt really awkward because I was um, you know, I was asked in this podcast at short notice, and there was a, there was a guest spot opening up and i was like i don't know because i don't know if i have much to say about the x-wing books i'll do the thrawn books but i feel like i'd just be kind of a bummer on the x-wing books uh because they're not going to get involved with like the politics of star wars that much uh and i also was like ah damn olivia was so good in this podcast i'm just gonna <laughs> it's gonna be a real sloppy show uh and it, it, i think i i think it was a bit i think i i feel you know if anyone's like oh jackson you're bad at podcasting i understand but we've had we've had fun nora I don't think anybody is going to say that. Okay, okay. Uh, it's time for you to rate this book. And one out of five. Uh, what? One no, out of five. get those numbers out of here. Okay. You're going to give me a lightsaber color, and you're not going to explain it. Um. You just just the color. Don't give me any reasoning. Don't give me any context. Just give me a lightsaber color that represents. Wedges Gamble by Michael A. Stackpole. Um, let me Google something real quick. <laughs> a lightsaber is the laser sword? Yeah, thanks, mate. 
I'm going to say yellow. Okay. I think that's what Olivia gave the first book. Because they're both so. bad. <laughs> um, I like yellow sabers, actually. But thank you for being on this episode of The War in Our Stars. Uh, if somebody's like on your tail, they're going to shoot you down, where should they lock on to on the internet? What they should do is they should open the emails folder for uh, fucking The War in Our Stars. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> I was this whole time like, well, you got to do emails. Okay. <laughs> I may have forgotten about emails. <laughs> You've been posting about emails today <laughs> in the Discord on Twitter. You're like, ah, oh, emails. And I know for a fact that M said to pass on an email to me. And I said, I have not had this email passed on to me. So M passed it on themselves. Our first email is from M. You can send, <laughs> by the way, dianogasquadron at gmail.com. Our first email is from M. If the major characters of Rogue Squadron or Star Wars in general were JPEGs in a character-collecting gotcha game, what are some of your picks for SSR costumes? Uh, P.S. Show this to Jackson before recording yeah. or they won't have any answers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was recording... Um... Uh, GGP earlier, and, and they asked me, and were like, "Have has Norris sent you the question?" I was like, "What question?" <laughs> uh, I did play one of these actually. It was um, the gameplay part of it was like a one-on-one MOBA where you would send your characters, you would spawn them on one of the two lanes, and they would just march forward and do their thing. Um, it was really fun. The my favorite one that I didn't be I was never able to like actually get was they had a Luke and Vader that were styled after the uh, Macquarie painting. That's pretty sick. Yeah, that was the best one. Um, I have been trying to think, but <laughs> M's uh, M thinking that I definitely find an answer <laughs> within the four hours uh, since the last thing was. Uh, I I would like um I definitely want some cool Obi ones. I want like Obi Wan in uh like. I, this doesn't exist in Star Wars. It's fucked up to me, right? But Obi Wan needs the like Star Wars equivalent of the Star Trek dress costume. Like, I, does he get into that in um, Clone Wars at some point? Does he get into like a sick, uh, you know, like formal Let me Google wear? Star Trek dress uniform? Well, I know he doesn't have a dress because the problem is the Jedi robes are not cool. Like, a couple of individual Jedis look cool, and, like, in the prequels, they kind of deviate from the robes a lot, even while also, like, making them weirdly the default. It's weird. Um, but the robes are just, like, a bad look. So I want, like, all my guys looking sick. I want well, Anakin um, Skywalker in the fucking uh, Gundam Shah costume from Double Seventy Nine, the, the first one. Right, so, so what you want is High Republic Obi-Wan. No, because... No, that's that's that they have like the fancy outfit. I guess they do get into the fancy. I don't. They have white and gold trim. Yeah, and they have a cape. I don't want it to be like full on Nazi shit though. Like those books. Like, but I do, I do, I guess want. I do like the aesthetic in that direction because I think self aware. Like not in how that book does it, where it's like. <laughs> we're all the republic uh let's girl boss our way through the frontier um but an actual self-awareness of the jedi as like fancy uh like statesman i, I would like that i think everyone plays best into that though i would also like a key mm-hmm. mindy dresser uniform please <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, hmm. Is that any email we had? No, there, I was just thinking if I had any more to add on this one. Um, I think that if it's a gotcha game, then you can do crossover. Mm-hmm. And so, do, like, do the way that Obi Wan wears, like, partial clone armor, he should have partial Mjolnir. <laughs> he wouldn't even have to flirt with Ventress anymore because the suit would jack him off. That's, that's true. That's Our true. next email comes in <laughs> from Jake, who says, Which X Wing pilot is most likely to have truck nuts on their ship? Bro, Jace. Is that true? Hmm. Maybe not. It I'm... might just be... Okay, so either I think it's Gavin, but he had those on his land speeder back home and kept them and brought them with him. So, I was googling truck nuts. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, because I was like, I assume that's a, some kind of colloquial name for like... <laughs> uh, Surely this isn't literal. I assume it was like... You know, something on the back of a truck that looked like testicles, not literally comedy testicles placed on your truck, because those are two very different things to me. Um, no one in X-Wing would have truck nuts because they're too serious about being cool guy cops. Hmm. Okay, I accept this answer. They'd have other... Really, I, I mean, he's got two... Death Stars on his X-Wing. <laughs> Those are kind of the same. Those are kind of the same. Maybe maybe he has two little Death Stars at the end of his X-Wing and one of them is way bigger than the other. But, um... <laughs> I like my narrative for Gavin's. Our last email comes from Kieran, who says... Uh, of the many planets in our glorious chosen by the light republic which would you most like to call home you could go outside of the republic of course but what a silly concept um it really depends on when <laughs> mhm cuz like okay so depending on the specific time i feel like coruscant is usually the right answer especially if it's in the republic um like you know I, I would not want to be living in, like, the underworld types. If, I, if I'm living in Coruscant in some, like, uh, apartment, right? I'm rich. Mm-hmm. I'm doing okay for myself. I'm where it's all happening. Uh, I, it's just the obvious place in the Republic where shit's going on. Yeah. I guess you could say Naboo because, like, it's, you know, it's just Italy. <laughs> it's just, they just filmed it in Italy. <laughs> and it looks nice. And there's less going on, but it is, like, nice to hang out. Sure, yeah. Um, what about Narshada? That's like the cyberpunk hellscape. City. Is that from Kotor Two? I mean, probably was in Kotor, but yeah, it's just a recurring. It is the bit in Kotor Two where uh, Kreia is like, "Oh, you gave that. Whether or not you give that guy some money, he fucking dies." <laughs> <laughs> um. But yeah, like Coruscant's probably my answer. Yeah. Unless it's like Korriban, and I'm gonna go to the to the evil academy and kill my master. It's it's not uh, Corellia, which <laughs> uh, Corellia seems like it sucks <laughs> in these books. Yeah, it does. 
Uh, I, I've heard people describe it as Space Texas, and I don't really know why. Okay. Other than the, there's like, the cops are cool. The cops I are guess, cool. Like uh, how, Texas Ranger, how Corsac, is Texas everyone, Ranger, maybe. How is everyone in Corsac in this book like not tainted with being Imperials? Uh, because they weren't part of the Empire, they were part of Corsac. Oh, well, that's fine. I was not part of America. I was just working for Blackwater. Basically. Like. Private security. The Empire literally, like, makes it part of its own command structure. It goes to every planet. It finds out what's its, like, planetary, uh, like, system for how it governs itself. And instills itself on top of that. And everyone who remains in that system is, by definition, Imperial. (laughs) No, it's fine, because they were cops, and, you know, they were locals. <laughs> it's not a local boy. It's not even like... <laughs> <laughs> it's not even like if he was, like, a low-level... Like, someone goes to the academy because it's like they were raised in this, and this is... The, it's not about, like, breaking out of, like, the idea of the imperial system. Um, it's instead, like, a weird personal drama about a cop and his dad. <laughs> and so- well, like... His dad was uh, in Corsac, and his granddad was in Corsac, and that implies that his family's been here since before the Empire. Well, yes, but, like, and I understand that Corsacs existed, like, in the Republic, right, and the uh, Imperial restructuring just makes the chain of command harder on them, right, is the way these books portray it, but Mm -hmm. they, they said yes to this, and Corrin didn't, like, his problems are with uh, uh, Kirtan Law, and, like, weird personal petty beefs he still think all the people that the empire think are criminals on corsac he also hates and wants to kill <laughs> he is just yeah. a fascist he's just, that's what he is just, ah star wars is driving me mad <laughs> well instead of doing that why don't you tell people where they can uh find you online you can find me at headfuls off on twitter.com and uh that's where I am. You can find the podcast that I do at abnormalmapping.com. I do them with my friend M. And if you support us at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping for $1 a month, you can get access to the Great Gundam Project, our Gundam podcast, which people seem to like. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. Um, you can find me on Twitter at NeitherNora. You can find stuff I do at norablake.online. You can follow... Nope, the show is not on Twitter. That's not what this podcast is. Send us emails at dianogasquadron at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I, I try to do a live tweet thread of these books as I read them whenever something egregious pops up. Uh, uh, this one was hashtag Nora's Gamble. Don't know what the next one's going to be. I'll figure it out. Um, oh, it's not going to be hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you can fill that one out. Fill that one out for yourself. <laughs> um uh right yes i forgot my uh my son off for this podcast hey nora why do they call it the back to war um you know i've been thinking about this since the last six times you asked me and i just don't have an answer why do they call it the back to war uh it's because the kratos virus uh takes a lot of back to cure and there will be uh, a resource that is needed in the coming war Oh damn! That's it's sucks. because they go back to war. They go back <laughs> to war. <laughs> All right. Uh, until next time, kill the Jedi in your head. <laughs> Forgot about that.